Uh, why don't you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. We're going to start there today. John chapter 14, get out your, um, your journal, your pen and paper, and write some things down that the Holy Spirit might speak to you today. John chapter 14, verse 16, that's where we'll begin. Let me pray for you. Father, as we go to the word of God, as we go to your word, would you speak your words into us? Transform us, change us. Do something that really helps us see who you are and how you see us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna talk to you today about seeing what God sees. Seeing what God wants you to see. Seeing what God wants us to see when we look inside the scripture. There's something that's so important that we embrace someone that we embrace that helps us receive illumination. You know, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that I need more light to read. <laughs> it's really sad. And, uh, and I, I, my, my teenage boys will be looking at the, my iPhone or their iPhone or, or the computer, and I'll be like hitting the, the, the thing that makes it brighter and brighter because I can't read it anymore. It's really weird how that happens to you. But this truism, I think, really holds across the board more light means you can see more stuff. More darkness, you see less stuff. And so there's something that God, there's a process whereby the more light we can get on the scripture, the more the light can shine into our lives, the more we really get to see what God wants us to see. All right, so, so this is the process of illumination. Everybody say it. Illumination. Ooh, say it one more time. Illumination. This is letting the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. I want you to write that definition down. Let the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. There's no doubt that the Bible can be a difficult book until you receive illumination. Many of you have had this experience where you're reading something and as you come across it, you've read it before, you understand on one level what it means, we always look for the original meaning and the original context of what the Bible was saying to the original hearers, but something happens in that reading and it jumps off the page and it becomes something that illuminates our minds. That's really what we want. It's somewhat like um, Christmas time. You know when you buy gifts for your kids and there's that little thing down on the lower left-hand corner of the box that's so small you can't see if you're over 40 and it says batteries not included <laughs> the Holy Spirit revealing this word to us is kind of like that but he's included <laughs> right it's batteries included he's the power of God to unlock the word of God in your life and you get the batteries in the box. I so love it when toys do that. <laughs> when, you, when you get the toy without the batteries, what a disappointment. But what I'm here to tell you that as a Christian, as a believer, what you can have assurance of is you get the batteries in the box. And so the Holy Spirit comes alive in us, and, but we have to allow him, we have to allow him access to our lives. And he is the one who illuminates the scripture to us. It is not the words that are magic in and of themselves. Although they are God-breathed, there is life in them. It's not that the words are so, so magical and you say them and something happens. It is that the power of God lives in you to illuminate your mind as you read them. The life that is in these words, because they are God-breathed, is unlocked by the Holy Spirit that lives in you. That's how it works. That's how it works. Notice what Jesus said before he went back to heaven in John 14, 16. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Say that word, advocate. Advocate, advocate. that's such a great word. Some, 
Some translations say counselor. Some say helper. He's a person who is an advocate for you. He knows you can't do it on your own. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your helper. He's going to counsel you. He says, to be another advocate, I want to give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Look down to verse 26. Verse 26, go down there and you can see him saying it again. He says, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Wow, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. Notice this next phrase. I want you to take your pen and underline it if you can, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Do you have trouble remembering what Jesus said? Welcome the Holy Spirit into your life. Ask him to show you who Jesus is and what he said. He's the one who illuminates your mind. Turn over one page over to John 16. If you go over to 16, we'll start maybe in verse 13. 16, verse 13. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Wouldn't you like to know what is to come? The Holy Spirit can illuminate your mind as you read the word to help you prepare. I'm going to show you that here in just a few moments. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. Jesus said he will take what is mine. Now listen, this is big. What the Father gave Jesus, he's giving to you by the Holy Spirit. He will take what is mine and he's going to give it to you. All the authority, all the power, all the wisdom, all the insight, all the understanding, you've got what Jesus had. And when you don't understand that, you live a crippled, failed Christian life. I'm not, I'm not saying you can get rid of every problem, but you need solutions to those problems. And guess who that comes from? The Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. Who, and really, this is an important idea for every one of us to understand that God's presence on the earth, God's presence on the earth, what we experienced even this morning as we sing those songs and begin to worship Jesus, God's presence comes in the form of his Holy Spirit. He's, he's walking down these aisles. He's the one that's whispering into our hearts and our minds. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, the scripture says. He's made intercession. That means he took our place. He stands in the gap for you and for me. His sacrifice for sin, we embrace it. I know we've, we've spent a lot of time saying, I want to get Jesus into my heart, but that sends all the wrong messages. That makes him a little Jesus that goes in here somewhere. He's a huge Jesus that took our sins and the weight of the whole world, the sins of the whole world upon himself and died on a cross. He was raised to life with resurrection power, by the way, that came from the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, came alive in him. He became born again. He was born again. He was the firstborn among many brothers. Okay, so he was born, and then he gives us, the Bible says in Romans 8, that we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in us. When you come to be a believer in Christ, when you come to God and surrender your life to him, you receive the Holy Spirit. I know, some of you think, isn't the Holy Spirit that weird guy that makes weird stuff happen? I've been to some other churches. I'm not sure I want that. No, the Holy Spirit is the best thing that could ever happen to you. He walks with you. He's insight into the scriptures. He is the source of illumination. And I want you to begin to invite him into your life. Invite him into your life. Look at the Apostle Paul, what he said in Ephesians 1, chapter 17. If you want to turn over there, it's just to the right Ephesians 1.17, it says, I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you his spirit. The spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. Here's a cool idea. The Bible 
is the kind of book you can read and talk to the author at the same time. I love, there's nothing better, like I love Eugene Peterson. He is one of my favorite authors. He's written a bunch of books that are just so wonderful. It would be awesome to be able to read his book and then put it down and say, now what did you mean by that? That's what you can do with the Bible. How does this work? How does it work? We'll look at the rest of Ephesians 1.18. It says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You might be looking at me and going, my heart doesn't have any eyes. No, there's something that God does when he, he gives you spiritual senses. You know, we have five physical senses. I think when we're born again, we receive some more senses. I'll tell you about that in just a second. He, said, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power to us who believe. That word, enlightened, means for the, the light to shine on something. The light came on. That's what that means. It's like an aha moment. It's like, yes, oh, I see it. I got it. Eureka! That's illumination. Your spiritual eyes are opened. When God birthed you into his kingdom, he begins to give you spiritual senses. I want you to think about it. What is it? Uh, eyes, ears, taste, touch, smell. <laughs> I know you're thinking to yourself, God gave me this, a gift of smell. <laughs> Do you know the Bible says that we are the aroma of Christ? You want to be the aroma of Christ. Did you know that the word says that we have received the mind of Christ. Not even your own physical mind, but the mind of Christ by the Holy Spirit. You have all these other senses that begin to be reproduced. They begin to be um, worked out, worked on. You begin to discover them working in your life. So what happens when God opens your eyes, all right? How does this work? All right, let's go to a couple stories, all right? Genesis chapter 21. Go over there. Genesis 21. Here's the thing, you live in two worlds. You and I live in two worlds. And what we want is for the physical world to be impacted by our spiritual world. One is not bad and the other good. The physical world is good. God created the world and said it was good. It has been corrupted though, and so we have to understand that. But we live in both worlds. And we have to let God's spiritual eyes in us become open to see the first thing I want you to see is what happens when God opens my eyes? I see the solution to my problem. I see the solution to my problem. This is the story of Abraham and Isaac and, and really of Ishmael. Sarah was Abraham's wife. Abraham was 90 years old when this story happened and he still hadn't had a child, even though God had promised him that his descendants were going to be like the sands of the seashore. He'd promised him all this stuff, and it hadn't happened. He's 90 years old. He can't imagine it happened. He, God told him he, could, he was going to have two things. He was going to get dirt and descendants. <laughs> the two Ds. I'm going to give you dirt, and I'm going to give you descendants. But the descendants hadn't happened yet, and so Sarah came up with a really cool plan. She said, Hagar, who is her handmaiden, her assistant, why don't you go and sleep with Abraham, and have his baby. That's the way God will work this out. That's the way God's promise can come to pass. Have you ever felt like you needed to help God get something done? It's not good. It doesn't work. It's like a plan B. It's like, okay, I got plan B now. All right, now, now God, use the plan B. Listen, it's really bad news when you start coming up with plan Bs to God's plan for you. Don't, don't, don't force that. You've you got to see the solution to your problem. But we're going to see here how even in the midst of a failure by Sarah, because Hagar has a baby and his name is Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of all the Arab nations. Isaac is the father of all Jewish nations. I don't know if you've heard or not, but they've never really gotten along very well. There are repercussions to our actions, but God is in the middle of them. 
And I want to show you that right now. Genesis 21, verse 14. He says, early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on, their, on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. Now, here's what's happening. Sarah's mad. She's jealous of this thing. She doesn't want, she doesn't want Ishmael to get any of Abraham's stuff. So they kick her out. They kick Hagar out and they kick out the baby Ishmael. And so they sent her away with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. And then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow shot away. A bow shot. Like as far as you could shoot a bow, she went out and got that far away from the baby under the bush. Notice what it says. Then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow shot away for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. In the midst of her anguish, in the midst of her own sadness and really a failure that was really not of her doing. God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. So one thing about God's word, it always is fulfilled. He told, he told Abraham he's going to make his descendants into a great nation. That applies to Ishmael. And in his mercy, he has mercy on Hagar. He has mercy on this baby. Genesis 21, 19, notice what happens. Then God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water. So she's out in the middle of the desert, out in the middle of nowhere. She's done. It's over. She puts the baby in some bushes. And she goes away and covers her ears and tries to get rid of the image of this baby dying. And then something happened. God opened her eyes to see what? To see the well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Here's the point. The solution was right there in front of her. But God had to open her eyes. When you read the Bible, God has to open your eyes. The Holy Spirit opens your eyes to see the solutions. There are some practical solutions in this scripture. They're very easy to see. Others are not so easy. And you, you begin to read it and God speaks to you in your situation through the scripture. I don't know what problem you're going through today. You might be going through a really difficult time at work struggling in your marriage, dealing with a child. Financially, you just may be feeling like you're out of options. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God have the solution for you. Every solution is in this book. Number two, I want you to see this. Number two, big idea. Here's what happens when God begins to open your eyes, you see the barrier to your progress. You see what's in the way. You see what's in the way. Turn over to Numbers chapter 22. Numbers 22. Let's all go over there and read that story together. Are you still with me? Yeah. Numbers 22, verse 22. This is one of the craziest stories in the Bible. This story is super fun. It's about a prophet of God named Balaam. And he agreed to help the Moabite king, the king of Moab. He agreed to help these guys, and they were at war against Israel. Actually, they were scared of the Israelites because they were so big, and they were, they were, they were moving into their, their property. And they, so they, they, they solicited, solicited Balaam to come and help them as a prophet of God and speak to them. And, and they wanted him to curse Israel, and he, they wanted him to do these things. So he's coming, and, and God is not happy that this is happening. He's kind of upset. And so that's the background of the story. Here he is, Numbers 22, verse 22. He says, but God was very angry when he went and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. So Balaam's on his way and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. 
So get the story. They're going, a donkey, you know, it's not very smooth. <laughs> On the road. It's going up, kunk, 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 kunk. And then the donkey all of a sudden, burp, off the road and into the field. The angel is standing right there, but Balaam can't see it. He starts beating that donkey. Get back on the road. Verse 26, then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead. So, so they go around him in the road. And so the angel went on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she laid down under Balaam. And he, he was angry and began to beat her with his staff. And this is crazy. So he doesn't see the angel, but the donkey does. It reminds me of one of my, I mean, this is really my favorite story in the Bible because I always say about it, if God can use a donkey, he can use me. There's something so wonderful about this so he was angry and he's beating her and then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat, these three, beat me these three times? <laughs> now, you think this is funny enough, right? So it's, it's a girl, right? So you got to hear it. What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? <laughs> Verse 29 Balaam answered the donkey, just like it's normal to have a donkey talking to you. You've made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, <laughs> he said. I can't imagine what the podcast people are thinking right now. <laughs> Verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. Balaam's eyes had to be opened so he could see what was impeding his progress. God was trying to get his attention. He, God hadn't gotten his attention yet. In fact, the angel stood in the road. The Bible says he, he stood in that road near that narrow place where Balaam's foot got caught next to the, to the mountain and he hurt his foot, got crushed. Can I just suggest to you that when we can't see what God wants us to see, when we refuse to see it, when we don't understand what's impeding our progress, sometimes we can get hurt trying to get our own thing to happen. This is what needs to happen. This is, I, this is, I've been told to do this. This is what I need to do. God's trying to get this guy's attention because he wants to lead him and guide him through this process. He lets him go to the king of Moab, Moab but he's trying to tell him to obey him very carefully because it's dangerous territory. That happens to you and me all the time. And then we just forge on ahead. We just, and here's, you got two, two options, all right? You can either beat the people around you and get angry, or you can ask God to illuminate your mind to see what's in your way. Could I recommend the latter <laughs> as opposed to the former? Like be, be, being around this, and this happens all the time. We start getting angry with the people around us. Don't you know I'm supposed to be here? Don't you know that this is supposed to happen? Don't you know we're supposed to accomplish this? Come on. And then we beat people around us. We get angry and it consumes us. We get consumed with fear and control because we think it has to happen this way or something bad will happen to us. The truth is, if we don't let the Holy Spirit illuminate our minds and keep his word coming into us, we can really have something bad happen to us. And listen, you, don't, you won't be able to avoid every bad thing in this life, but this will explain it to you. As your mind is illuminated, you'll see what's in the way and you'll be able to deal with it accordingly. Third story, when God opens your mind, he illuminates it, when God shows you what he's trying to do, you see the power of God for you. When it happens to me, I see the power of God for me. I see the power of God that's available to me. 
when he illuminates my mind, I see that he's defending me. I see that he's with me. I see that he's for me. Go to 2 Kings, verse 6. So to the right in your, in your Bible, go to the right a few pages, a few books, and you'll see 2 Kings 6, verse 10. Everybody go there. 2 Kings 6, verse 10. Everyone feels under attack at certain points in their life. You can't, you can't avoid the attack from other people. Even other spiritual attacks, you, none of us can avoid that. It, it will happen to us. What you have to do is know what to do in response. The story here is the Arameans were at war with Israel. They were always at war with Israel. And every time they'd attack Israel, God would warn Elisha, one of the, the prophet. He would warn Elisha of the battle plans, and then Elisha would go to the king of Israel, and he would tell him the battle plans. Well, the, the king of Aram was so upset. He was sick of this happening. He was sick of getting his butt kicked on the battlefield is what was happening. And he was so mad. And so he's trying to figure out who the traitor is. Look at verse 10. It says, this happened several times so that the king of Aram became very upset over this. He called in his officers and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It is not us, my lord, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. <laughs> the Holy Spirit knows all things. He sees all things. Here's the crazy thing. You have access to the Holy Spirit. He lives. Where does he live? Does he live in a temple somewhere? Does he live in a commercial office building on Monterey Oaks? Sometimes, but he lives in you. He lives in me. The king said, you go find where Elisha is and we will send troops to seize him. The report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when Elisha's servant got up early the next morning and went outside, he saw troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. So you get this, Elisha's servant sees it. They're coming they're going to attack him. What will we do now, he says. He cried out to Elisha. Notice Elisha's response. Don't be afraid. Elisha said, for there are more on our side than on theirs. There are more with us than against us. You need illumination to see that sometimes because you get buried you get buried with stuff that's going on in your life. You're facing difficult situations. Some, you feel attacked by others. And you need to know who's really with you so you don't, have to, you don't have to freak out. You don't have to be overwhelmed and consumed. Yes, it may hurt. Yes, it may sting. Yes, there may be a difficult journey for you to go through as you, as you figure it out. But if you have the illumination of the Holy Spirit, he can help you see that God is really with you, that he's defending you. Notice this passage, 2 Kings 6, 17. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He had to have his eyes opened. As the Aramean army advanced toward them, the Bible says, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. <laughs> I love this. So they show up, and, and he's praying for his servant to be, eyes to be open, and he says, Lord, blind the eyes of the enemy. You know, did you know you can pray that? That's, that's like in your wheelhouse. Like, you can do that. So, and the Lord, and the Lord did as Elijah asked. Then Elijah went out to the, and told them, you've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me. I'll, I'll show you. Take you to the man you're looking for. Is that the crazy thing? So they could see, but their spiritual eyes, somehow they're blinded by who this, what this really is all about. They, they thought that it was, they found Elisha, they were supposed to attack him, but he asked that God blind their eyes, and so he leads them right into Samaria. Look at the rest of it. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, now open their eyes. <laughs> it's kind of a game of hide and seek. 
Oh, Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. And the Lord did, and they discovered that they were in Samaria. And when Elisha's king, the king of Israel, saw the captive enemy army, so he led him right into Israel, right into the clutches of the king, he shouted to Elisha, should I kill them? Now, this is where it gets a little funny. Of course not, Elisha told him. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again. So the king of Israel made a great feast for them, the Aramean army, and then sent them home to their king. After that, the Aramean raiders, notice this phrase, right? What does it say? These guys stayed away from the land of Israel. <laughs> Can I just tell you there's more than one way to skin a cat? I've never skinned a cat. I've just been told that all my life. God has multiple ways that he can deal with problems that you're facing. He has resources that you don't know anything about if you don't have illumination. You got to have illumination to see the way he wants you to deal with an enemy. And here's a, here's a little phrase for you. You can write this down. The best way to get rid of an enemy is to turn him into a friend. Notice what he does. He has the resources of God at his disposal, and so he leads them right into the enemy's camp. But instead of destroying them, he gives something to them and makes them a friend of Israel. God has a way of dealing with situations that you don't know yet, and he'll give it to you. He'll give you the solution. He'll convince you that he's on your side, and the ones who are with you are way more than the ones who are against you. Finally, Number four, I see how God is walking with me. Turn to Luke 24 and we'll finish here. Luke 24. I see how God is walking with me. When God opens your eyes, then you see that God was with you all the time. You see that he's with you. This is the story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus where he appears to two disciples. And what had happened was Jesus had died on a cross just 72 hours earlier and he had been risen, resurrected that day. But these guys didn't know it. They were discouraged disciples walking on the road to Emmaus talking about what had happened. Notice Luke 24, verse 15. Luke 24, verse 15, it says, suddenly Jesus himself came along and joined them and began walking beside them. But they didn't know who he was because God kept them from recognizing him. Sometimes when it's in... Jesus' best interest, he'll make it so that you can't see certain things. But as we'll see, just at the right time, he'll show you. He said, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you so concerned about? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then Cleopas, who was one of the disciples, he said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened there the last few days. <laughs> I love this response from Jesus. This is so awesome. What things? <laughs> what things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did wonderful miracles. He was a mighty teacher, highly regarded by both God and all the people. But our leading priests and other re religious leaders arrested him and handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. He, we had thought that he was the Messiah. Those are harsh, hard words. We had thought he might be the one. We thought he might be the Messiah who'd come to rescue Israel. And that all happened three days ago, they said. Then some women who were at his tomb early this morning, they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, Jesus' body was gone, just as the women had said. And then Jesus said, you are such foolish people. <laughs> you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted by the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into his time of glory? Then Jesus quoted passages from the writings of Moses. You know who that is? You know what that is? Writings of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And all the prophets, all the major and minor prophets throughout the Old Testament, explaining what all the scriptures said about himself. You know, that's what the Old Testament does. It teaches us principles, and it foreshadows 
God's solution, God's great solution to mankind's sin problem. It foreshadows who Jesus is, the Messiah. And then the Gospels tell the story of his life here in ministry on earth. And then the letters in the New Testament coach us on how to live. The Bible is an incredible, incredible thing, but it's, make no mistake, it's all about Jesus. Luke 24. Uh, let's see. No, let's go up a little bit. Uh, by this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the, end, and, and the end of their journey. And Jesus would have gone on. I think the NIV says he acted like he was going on, <laughs> like he was trying to fool them. But they begged him to stay the night with them since, he was, since it was getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took a small loaf of bread asked God's blessing on it and broke it and then gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. That was so awesome. It's like he was there and he broke the bread and they're like, wait a minute. I've seen this before. He, op- he broke the bread and he blessed it as he had done so many times. And then they saw their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> Jesus messing with these guys. He reveals himself to them just at the moment that they need it. But here's the lesson. In their grief, he had been there all along. In their sadness and their sorrow, he had walked with them on that road. The truth is, he had already been resurrected. None of the disciples knew he'd been resurrected. They hadn't seen it yet. And yet, there was a miracle. There was a miracle, and they just didn't understand it. But make no mistake, the miracle was alive and well. Sometimes we stop just short of receiving the miracle that God has for us because we don't see it. Somehow we don't see it, so we give up. We turn away. We say, God, I shake your fist at him and say, God isn't for me. When all the while a miracle is in process and you just haven't been able to see it yet. But the truth is God opens our eyes to let us see that he's been with us the whole time. The whole time. This is the power of the word of God and the illumination of the Holy Spirit. The illumination of the Holy Spirit. What I want to encourage you to do is I want you to invite a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I know we talk about having a relationship with Jesus, and there's no doubt. You pray to the Father, you can talk to Jesus, but the Spirit of God is the one who lives in you and works with you to find solutions to speak to you, to illuminate your mind as the scriptures are opened up to you. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit into your life. I want you to welcome him. He's a forgotten person in the Trinity. We need to remind ourselves that he's with us, that he's here. That is his role. He came to make sure that we were armed with truth. He came to make sure that we had God's presence in us. He came to make sure that the Bible would not just be a bunch of writings, but it would come alive to us and illuminate our hearts. Would you just take a moment and close your eyes and bow your heads? I I just want you to, I want you to open your heart. You may feel like you're blinded today. Feel like you can't see. You may be facing a difficult, difficult situation. But the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate your mind. I want you to make a commitment to read the scripture. If you've been away from from God, you've resisted him, you rejected him because you were confused about the difficulty of your life or something has disappointed you so greatly that it's been hard to open up your heart to him. I want to challenge you today to try again to let him into your life in a way that will allow him to illuminate what's in the scripture, to allow him to illuminate his understanding of whatever situation you face, whatever's ahead of you, whatever barrier you feel like is in your way. 
Maybe you're trying to start something. You're trying to really work on your marriage, but you feel like something's in your way. Let the Holy Spirit illuminate your mind. Maybe you're working on a relationship with your child, with your teenager, and you need the Holy Spirit to illuminate. Maybe you're struggling at work with a, a coworker or a boss, and you're, you're just at the end of yourself. You just don't have anything left to, to give to this, and you need the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Would you let him do that for you right now? He's the one who can make the word come alive. Give him preference in your heart. Give him permission. I'd like to ask you to every person in the room to pray this prayer because really the spirit coming to dwell in you is really about accepting Jesus and his work. It's about being born again. And maybe you've, you're just here this morning, you're realizing, I need to come back to God. I need to be born again. I need what you're talking about. So all over the room, I want you to pray with me, all right? Pray this prayer with me, and it's not because of the words. I just want you to repeat them and then mix them with faith. Say it and mean this in your heart. Just pray with me, everybody together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus who took my place, forgives my sins, Thank you for the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell with me. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my failures. I come back to you. I give my life to you today. Illuminate my mind. Illuminate my heart. I make room for you, God. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. Speak to me. Show me who you are. Give me everything you have. Thank you, God, for all your gifts, all your resources, all your power living in me. Cleanse me. Heal me. Strengthen me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for every person that prayed this prayer, and I ask you to seal it, the work that's happening inside of them right now, and all that you're doing to remind them of who you are, to reveal yourself to every person in this room. Now, I pray that they would get up as they go out of this place and they would see you and all that they're experiencing, all that they're doing, that you would see you as they read the word and you would illuminate their hearts and minds to see how you're working. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, here's what I want to ch challenge you to do. If you made a commitment to Christ today, I want to help you with next steps. So in that connection card and the worship guide that you have, I want you to tear that thing off, fill it out, and mark I committed my life to Christ today or I recommitted my life to Christ. I renewed my commitment to Christ today. I really want to help you. You can put that in the offering plate as it passes or you can put it out in the lobby on the table there. We're going to take a moment and we're going to prepare to receive our tithes and our offerings. Hey, I'm just thinking about it. Do you remember our memory verse from this week? Here's what it is. I think, I think you have it on the screen, don't you? Could you find it there? It's, it's in the rest of my notes right there. It's Psalm 119.18. Here it is. It is open the, my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Psalm 119.18. It's open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Can you say that together with me? Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your... One more time. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. <laughs> that was it. Now here's the thing. In order to memorize, guess what? You can't just hear it. Sorry. You can't just think it. You got to hear it. You got to hear it coming out of your own mouth. You got to tell it to one another. Psalm 119.18. Psalm 119.18. I want you to 
remember it as you leave. Come on, stand up with us and let's pray. Let's worship the Lord with our giving. Father, we give to you today, not because we have to, but because we want to, and because we believe that you own it all. You own everything we have. So we just give you this portion back because we want to be obedient and we want to show you how much we love you. Uh, not because we need to pay you back. How could it ever be enough for what you've done for our lives? So Lord, receive this and then use it to share the message in our city and around the world. We love you and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord as we give. Flood our hearts with holy fire. Rain down all around the world. We're singing. Rain down. Can you hear the earth is singing? Rain down. My heart is dry, but still I'm singing. Hey, I'm so grateful that you came to worship with us today. These people right here are people who can pray with you. If you have anything going on in your life, you want somebody to agree with you, come down and pray with them, and they would love to agree with you. Any of you who are brand new, I'd love to see you out in the lobby. God bless you. Remember, square one tonight. You are dismissed. Have a great Sunday.